about the things people love to hate and hate to love and we're your hosts Shelby and Matt. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Oscar nomination season. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, we could have been talking about um, Shotgun Wedding but we had to get in on this discourse around the nominees and uh, the snubs and surprises that uh, haunted us all last week. Yes, we're sophisticated now. This is a sophisticated yes. podcast. Yes, 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 yes. Um... Yeah, so the Oscar nominations happened. We this is our fifth year, I think, as well, talking about the Oscars. <laughs> uh, exciting stuff. There's been highs, there's been lows in the past yes. before. Um, nominations happened last Tuesday, and if we had been more on top of this, we probably should have just recorded the episode after that and then had the episode come out last Thursday but since we record on Monday and the nominations weren't out yet you're getting this like a 10 days after yeah the nomination but it just come. means we've been able to like yeah really gather our thoughts let the yes. let the discourse the culture you know percolate and figure out like how they feel about things and now now we get to come in as the final word on how yeah. one should feel about and these movies. And I've nominees. watched some of the movies since then you know it's given oh, yeah. us time to to watch more things yeah. Um, so the nominations were bright and early on last Tuesday morning. Um, did you watch the (laughs) release or did you just look at the list later? I just looked at the list. I'm sorry. I heard they did a great job. Um, yeah, it was Allison Williams and who was the other person? She's the, oh, Riz Ahmed. Um, yeah. And they were great. They, you could tell that they had practiced how to pronounce everyone's names. Um, they had a couple Megan jokes. It was good. They were a great combination. It just, you know, yeah. But you watched it, right? The whole thing. Yeah. Because you were getting your BuzzFeed listicle ready. So I'm curious, you know, what was the vibe? Were you just like, hum, 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 dummy, dummy, dumb, you know, no surprises or were there things that made you... (gasps) gasp and clutch your pearls or groan Uh, and roll your eyes i mean the thing with the oscars is you're like you know which movies are in the conversation but Mm -hmm. i think you sometimes don't know which ones the oscars are like really gonna like and which ones there are gonna be like okay and there's always a couple movies on nomination morning that get like nominations in so many different categories and you just know like after they've gotten the first couple like okay the oscars love this and i feel like this year that was banshees of or that was um all quiet on the western front and everything everywhere all at once where they just kept coming up in the early like non-major nominations and so you just knew like okay this is gonna these are both gonna get a ton um and then there's other movies that you think, oh, like this has the potential to get some nominations. And then you it just like keeps not popping up in things. Um, and so there was definitely like I think Women Talking and like The Whale were kind of like that where they just mm. didn't quite get as many nominations. It's like, like if the Oscars had liked them, they could have easily given them more. Um, yeah. But overall, I thought this was a fun set of nominations. There were definitely some weird surprises. Um, there were some pleasant surprises, I think. And there wasn't, I didn't feel like in general, there were as many sort of like, Ugh, this movie as there have been in some <laughs> years past. Um, yeah. Which, well, I mean, except for Elvis, probably. Yeah, except for Elvis. <laughs> I mean, we'll, we'll. But it was one we knew was coming. Yeah. Right. Yes. Um, you know, I think that there's some years where you're like, there's these things like on the bubble that you're really hoping for. And then yeah. they just, none of them manifest and said, you get all of the kind of boring stuff, you know, when yeah. like three people from um, the Lucille ball being the Ricardo's got nominated last year. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, really? Like uh, this. Um, yeah. But this year I thought there was a, a lot of, there was a good mix of stuff. Um, and we'll talk about like the individual categories as yeah. we go along. But I was I was pleasantly 
surprised and I we've talked about how I think this is a really good year for movies and a good year for nominees. I think there's a lot of good stuff in the mix. Um and yeah, I was I was pretty happy with the nominations as a whole. How did you feel? Yeah, I think like well, thinking about it and thinking of how many of these we've done at this point. Um it's been a real journey and I've I was reading a bunch of articles that like pointed out how much more international the voting body has become and how that's influenced a lot of these, um, not always surprises, but just the emphasis on films like All Quiet on the Western Front or Triangle of Sadness or the Banshees of Inishirin, where there might be more of an international sway to those um, that we wouldn't have seen in earlier years. And What's also interesting is, yeah, this is like one of those years where I'm like, oh, I've seen all these. And obviously, most of the time, by the most of the years, by the time the Oscars come around, I've made a point of seeing them all. But this is one where they were movies that either interest me to begin with, and so I just saw them, or have been out for so long that they don't fall into that usual like December, you know, uh, drag of just an onslaught of Oscar Beatty movies, which in itself is also something we've talked about where it's like there's less intention around what actually captures the interest of people both in the industry and the popular, you know, us, us nobodies, us, us plebeians. Um, and I think that's interesting. I also saw, <laughs> I have this like, I follow this like huge sort of, I don't know, this account that just like shares news, just an onslaught of news. And he has like, uh, I don't want to guess how many, but tons and tons of followers. And he did a poll where he was like, how many of these best picture nominees have you seen? And it was like one to three, three to five, only Top Gun or just one except for Top Gun. (laughs) And no, like no one had seen more than Top Gun. Like Top Gun was the huge, the largest sample size by far it was like 70 percent of voters were like oh i just saw top gun of these top 10 best picture nominees which was shocking to me but a good reminder that i think we are still on the top tier of people consuming films so while it might seem more like oh these are these are movies that everyone's talking about it still is very much an insulated industry (laughs) well my editor i was talking with today at BuzzFeed, who is, like, editing movies and TV content. I mean, he edits other stuff, too, but, like, you have to think he's, like, in the pop culture space to a certain extent. And he said that he had only seen three of the (laughs) ten Best Picture nominees. And I was sort of like, these are, like, these are not obscure movies. Yeah. They're, there's several big ones on the list, and a lot of them have been out for a while. And that's something that I wanted to talk about, which I feel like we had talked about earlier this year, or I guess last year, with the Emmy nominations, of with more and more content coming out between movies and TV shows and things on streaming platforms and TikTok and social media. There's just so much going on that I think that it takes more word of mouth and more of like a curation sort of period for things to kick off. Like you can't, I think it's really hard to just like drop something and have it be an instant success. If there's not some kind of, you know, connection to the material already, but if it's good, I think a lot of times it does find its way because people are looking for recommendations and there's so much crap out there that it's like, if a friend tells you to watch something, you really take that seriously now because you know, there's just so much stuff. And I think that with, with the Emmy nominees, we saw a lot of those like late breaking TV shows that were dumped right at the end of the window, not getting as much consideration because people just didn't have time to watch them. And I think it was similar with the movies this year where you had stuff like, um, Elvis and Top Gun and, uh, Triangle of Sadness and, um, Everything Everything Everywhere everywhere. All at Once that had been out for a long time and it had like months and months and months to build up steam. And then you saw all of those movies in November and December sort of, you know, flop because they they didn't have a big box office 
amount. They were up against a lot of competition. They never quite found their footing. And a lot of those movies didn't either got very few nominations or didn't get nearly as many. Um, And I wonder if that will be a part of people's strategy sort of like in the future. And I think we are even seeing it with this year already of like more good movies coming out in January than there normally are of people being like, okay, it takes everyone a little while. And sometimes having a movie come out in a period where there's less competition is actually way better for you than just having it come out in December. Yeah, it's really interesting because like you look at a year like 2020, like the 2019 nominations where you had like Little Women and Parasite, 1917 and Joker and Once Upon a Time. And I feel like the Irishman and they all came out in the fall or the winter. And then you have a year like this where it is more most of these films. I don't think any of them except the Fablemans had a late release. I guess Avatar did. Oh, yeah. Avatar and, yeah, The Fablemans are, like, the latest releases. Oh, and Women Talking. So three of the ten were late releases, whereas everything else was scattered throughout the year. And so it seems like it's harder to predict what will work um, because even listening to, like, Everything Everywhere, they had no idea that they stood a chance at getting nominations, let alone the most nominations of the year with 11. So it's, like, there is probably less – um likelihood of like recognizing a new pattern now and more that the discourse is finally working where the Oscars were accused of being too like white the Oscars were accused of being too old and now that they have kind of reinvigorated their voting body with more people more international voters and younger voters and people from different uh perspectives diversity whatever then the movies are reflecting that better than they have in the past, whereas it was more traditional before. And now it seems like it's more about the movies that are finding their audience. Well, Um, and if you just think about like She Said and The Whale and The Sun and Empire of Light, like these were all movies that sort of came out later and just never manifested fully. Um, yeah, and also with the Academy being more um, international, that means that international films are more in contention. So you mm-hmm. are competing against more options, which I think is good. And also it takes a little bit for movies to get around, you know, yeah. just because a movie has like a premiere in L.A. and New York doesn't mean that that movie is necessarily um, getting word of mouth to you know, the Academy members who live in Tokyo and Spain and Sweden and, you know, some of these other places. Um, I think it just, yeah, you have to be, it, it, I think it means the movies have to be better in a lot of cases and also just have more of a cultural footprint for longer. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and I think that's why it's like, I'm, I, I'm more excited for these Oscars in some ways, even though they're not necessarily like, you know, looking at the best picture list, I would have, they're not my top 10, but it's like, I appreciate that it seems more intentional rather than just, oh, here are the Oscar baby stuff that we chose to highlight in the most predictable ways. Like there are some like more interesting choices happening, I think that make it fun. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, so do you want to get into the actual nominees? Let's do it. Um, how do you want to go through these? In which order? I don't know. I guess we could do the the big to little and just... Okay. So you want to start with, <laughs> with best picture? Yeah. Okay. So just because best... that's how it's organized on my list. So Well, that also might be good because then we can sort of talk about some of these big... Yeah picture things and then get yeah. into the smaller stuff as we go. Um, so the nominees are All Quiet on the Western Front, Avatar, The Way of Water, The Banshees of Inishirin, Elvis, Everything Everywhere All at Once, The Fablemans, Tar, Top Gun Maverick, Triangle of Sadness, and Women Talking. Um, I feel like we knew, we have known for a while that like Elvis, Everything Everywhere All at Once, The Fablemans, Tar, Top Gun were all like pretty much locks. Um, and then those last couple slots that like women talking and triangle of sadness, I feel like, um, grabbed were, were sort of, 
up. People thought that the whale would get in. People maybe thought that Babylon. There was also, um, you know, a push for things like Glass Onion and The Woman King and Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Um, Even the Guillermo del Toro Pinocchio movie was sort of on the bubble. Um, I feel like these nominations sort of like make sense to me in a lot of ways based on what we've seen. It wasn't super surprising to me that these got in. I think especially because you already have Avatar and Elvis and Top Gun in the mix. Getting something like Glass Onion, Black Panther, or The Woman King maybe would have been trickier where if you'd had less of those sort of like big blockbuster movies like one of them might have been able to fill this that slot because really there's not a ton of like tiny indie movies in this yeah i think i I, the only one i haven't seen is women talking because it just hasn't shown up around here yet um but i'm not mad about this list i do feel like the woman king probably deserved to be on this list i personally would have cut out like one, two, well, I would have two movies to get, yeah, <laughs> to make room for it. Um, I, I think that's a movie that seems like it was most likely to be nominated, just because it's a period piece, it's an action film, it's it's historical. Like it feels like it would fit in the you know same shelf as braveheart as you know gladiator whatever it is but whatever i'm sure we'll talk more about that as we go through the rest of this list um but yeah well the one king didn't get nominated at all for any categories ridiculous i again think is partially due to the fact that yeah you did have some of these like not not, i don't want to say there's controversies around it but but if there's controversies around elvis too you know it's like and there's in top gun is like the most pro-military thing that we've seen since American Sniper. So it's like... Yeah, I don't I don't feel like it was... con. I, I feel like... I don't think it was the controversies that hurt it. Yeah. I think it just... Like, I think some combination of, like, racism, sexism, yeah. the fact that there were already these big, um, uh, like, action movies that sort of were in the hunt and were maybe like more technically like either did better at the box office or had more like going on technically that it, that sort of just edged it out. Um, But yeah, no, I, I, this list is good with me. I don't like Elvis. I also would have subbed out women talking for something else because I don't love that movie. Um, I would have loved Marcel the shell to pop up on here. Yes. I think that's such a good one. Um, I think they would have been fun for After Sun to get a nomination here. It's like so small, but it's such a well done movie. Yeah, I even, haven't seen that one yet. But even were... Nope, which you didn't oh, like yeah. as much, but I really liked. I would have loved a Nope appearance. Nope deserved a spot in in the Oscars, but I don't think it deserved Best Picture. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Whatever you say. But yeah, I mean, the ones that people think are snubbed is obviously like Babylon, um, which you loved and people think will become sort of one of those cult hits that we'll look back and judge this year for not nominating. I think that's Um, true. Yeah. And then other than that, I think it was really just a matter of, oh, if you would have preferred to see Pinocchio rather than something like All Quiet on the Western Front. But yeah, it wasn't necessarily the most like um surprising twist um and i think the one surprise that wasn't a surprise by the time this happened is everything everywhere all at once because it is unusual for such a small like independent budget film released in february whenever it was to pull off this sort of sweep at the oscars where it had double digit nominations leading all of the films counted and it was the little film that could so We'll definitely be seeing that more, and I think it is favored to win, which, of course, means now suddenly there's a ton of think pieces about how it's not that good. (laughs) Yeah, annoying. I mean, I I think that the thing with the – with everything everywhere all at once, though, is like – 
sometimes you have the favorite like get dethroned like last year when everybody thought the power of the dog would win yeah. and Coda came out but I feel like usually in that situation the movie ahead is sort of like the well like prestige well regarded one and then it's more of like a sentimental favorite yeah. that overtakes it but I don't know I mean I guess you could say that maybe the Banshees of Inishirin it would mm. be that because people do really like that movie too but both of those movies feel very popular yeah um and not like it's like i can't see something like tar or all quiet on the western front or triangle of sadness like which are the more like technical movies overtaking it although this <laughs> if, if elvis wins, i would like throw myself off a precipice <laughs> um all quiet on the western front as we were talking earlier the Academy has gotten more international every year. It yeah. seems like now we're getting these international movies in best picture. I mean, obviously parasite, but last year drive my car got a bunch of nominations, the worst person in the world. Um, this year, all quiet seems to be that, uh, nabbing a bunch of spots. Um, triangle of sadness is in English, but it is a European movie. So yeah. that is also there. Um, and, yeah, All Quiet on the Western Front is a gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous movie. And I am very glad that it is getting its due. Um, I saw it in Toronto. And, you know, Toronto, they had The Fablemans and Woman King. And, like, lots of these big, sort of buzzy star-powered movies. And the only reason why I went to see All Quiet on the Western Front is because I'd read the book a couple of years ago. Mm. And I was just, like, blown away by how great it was. Yeah. And was very surprised that people weren't really talking about it that much. Um, but, I, you know, I think people came around to it eventually, which again speaks to like the word of mouth element here. Cause yeah, I got a, the second most nominations tied with uh, Banshees of Inishirin and I think could win some of these categories. Yeah. So if you yeah. have to pick, who are you picking as winner for best picture? I'm going to stick with everything everywhere all at once. Yeah. Same. I agree. I think it's nice because it is sort of the underdog as far as the directors and the cast. And then it also is like, I don't know. It feels like a very Hollywood movie. Like it's very visually, <laughs> I don't know. It's not as like heavy as something like All Quiet or Tar. It's very like energetic in its um, work. So I, I have hope for it. I think it'll pull it off. Which yeah, I, I think so too. It's definitely the favorite, and I don't know if uh, how many people are going to be poo-pooing it. Like, yeah, I, I think like, Banshees is the only one that's like considered as a competitor, which yeah. is frankly just an eye roll to me. Like, I don't think they're comparable. I don't think they're. I I'm not opposed to Banshees of Inisherin. It was like fun and fine, but I just think. Everything Everywhere pulled off something really interesting and will stick around a lot longer than any of the films on the list. Well, also, you have to think, like, the Academy is all of these different branches voting. Yeah. And so Banshees of Inisherin is a beautiful movie, but it's def it's not, it doesn't have the crafts as much as uh, Everything Everywhere All at Once does. Um you know, th there's just so much going on in everything, everywhere, all at once. And I think Banshees of Insurance and Sheeran is a little simpler in some ways. Yeah. So I think that some of those craft people know, will be. But those, <laughs> that academy can get pretty snooty. And I could see them being like, oh, well, it doesn't deserve this top prize. It's not Although, serious. Although, coming off of, the, I mean, Nomad Land, I think, is a bit of an outlier because it was the, um, the, <laughs> Uh, pandemic year but coming off of Parasite and Coda I do feel like everything everywhere all at once fits yeah. in that grouping of movies well so yeah well Oof. then we have best director which is a very masculine field this year even though some of the biggest movies this year were directed by women um, but we have the Banshees of Inishirin everything everywhere all at once the Fablemans Tar and Triangle of Sadness um, seems like we could have had the Woman King. I'm pretty sure After Sun was directed by a woman. Till like there's, there's room here. <laughs> uh, 
at the table, but um, not this year. Uh, so that bothered me. I think, I think if Catherine Bigelow had like directed the Woman King, then everyone would be like, "Oh my gosh!" Like, what a thoughtful, well done craft. Like, I just I find it irritating to see this slew of mostly white men, but it's fine. Yeah, the director branch is obviously lots of white men so I think it skews in that direction and it's also a branch that doesn't is less receptive to uh, newcomers you know like usually the nominees are more respected people because also you know being a good director yeah there's a lot of elements that don't have to do with money but it also you know the bigger budget your movie is the more things you are directing and so I th- and the more stuff that's going on. So I think bigger budget movies, which tend to be directed by men, tend to, you know, who tend to have longer careers uh, already um, because of the sexism that, you know, was horrifically bad for so long. And then it's still bad, even though slightly less now. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I can I think that. I, I love The Woman King and I don't understand why the Academy did not go for it at all this year because I do think it was definitely worthy of a best picture slot and Viola Davis and, you know, other craft categories as well. Um, that, I think, is the one that I would have slotted in here. Maybe yeah. over, like, um, I, I don't, like, maybe over Triangle of Sadness or... Mm, yeah. But... The, yeah, the, the, yeah. I think, I, I think it's hard to like, these were the movies that were the solid best picture nominees for the most part, aside from Triangle of Sadness. And in the past, like five or six years, there's almost always one international film that gets into best director, which is the Triangle of Sadness slot this year. So you kind of, it's like, okay, if one of these is going into to international, then you have the four remaining slots and they're probably going to go to best picture nominees. So you only got limited options. I'm a little bit surprised that James Cameron didn't get nominated (laughs) for Avatar seeking that he did get nominated for the first one. And that was such a directorial feat. Also Baz Luhrmann has never been nominated for best director. So I was kind of surprised that he also didn't get in here for um, Elvis, which obviously did well, but they went with the Daniels, which I think is sort of a surprise because this is only, I think, their second movie or third. Yeah. Um, and then Todd Field, who's, I think, more of a writer almost than a director. Yeah. I'm curious your take on Triangle of Sadness. Like, I was surprised to see it so featured in this Oscars. <laughs> like, it was good. I definitely like the first half more than the second half. I feel like it kind of struggled in the final act but maybe it was just because I was watching it on an airplane but it didn't like I honestly thought the menu was more interesting um but more interesting like visually even and I really liked Triangle of Sadness yeah. a lot when I saw it I thought it was really clever I do agree that it's a bit like that third act where they're on the island it like lags a bit like I think yeah. they could have trimmed that down um some I like the movie, so was, you know, more than happy to see it get these nominations. I think that the script is really good. Um, and just it is a very different and creative movie where some of these are, you know, sort of copy paste versions of things that we've sort of seen before in the Oscars. Um, and that is such a unique movie that I liked it. And yeah. I was glad that it's getting recognition. I think that it I don't think that it was expected to have be doing as well as it is the best director and best picture slots, I think were, you know, not predicted. And it just speaks to that international Academy triangle of sadness one can, which is, you know, the big international film festival. Yeah. Um, which I think Paris did parasite win can, I think it did. Um, and so you can see how that, sort of audience I think must be rallying around that movie and is why it got nominated where it did. Um, 
so I, it's surprising, but not surprising at the same time. <laughs> I think that if if that movie didn't get nominated for Best Director, All Quiet on the Western Front would probably would have gotten nominated. Hmm. That director is just not nearly as well known. Yeah. And so I think that they went for the international, uh, you know, sort of big name. And Ruben Ostland has not been nominated in this category before. So, so who's um, your vote? Or who do you think I, will win? I think that the winner will probably be Steven Spielberg. Um, yeah. Seems like I such think a snooze, but yeah. Fableman's, I mean, it's a movie about directors. Oh, um, and it is a very gorgeous movie. And it is a very Spielberg, like, like it's hit, it's his project. You know, it's his story. And he, uh, you know, is very much at the helm of it. It's not like something that was written by somebody else that came to him. And I think that that movie probably won't get very many other wins if it gets any at all. And this is sort of the place to uh, reward that. And compared to the other movies, I mean, I love everything everywhere all at once, but I sort of feel like that will probably get his picture and the Daniels are very new. So they'll probably get nominated again for best director at some point. And <laughs> I think if you take them out of the lineup, then the Fablemans is like the most directing of the ones that are yeah. left. So I think that Spielberg will probably win. It wasn't my favorite movie of the year. No, but like, do I begrudge Spielberg and Oscar? Like not really. <laughs> yeah. I feel like it's that or the out of, the dark horse would be Todd Field, I feel like. Yeah, Tar just feels like so much more of a written movie to me than a directed movie. You know? Yeah. Like, there's so much of that where there's just, like, somebody sitting there talking, which I don't think is as interesting to direct. Where, like, those scenes in Fableman's where it's, like, the like that that, like, war movie sequence where he's, like, filming his friend's doing the war movie I think must have been like such an interesting like yeah direction because like you have to set up the shot like it would be set up for the actual shot that like the Spielberg character is doing but then you have to set up to film that person you know it's like there's a lot of moving parts in there that I feel like are more interesting than like okay there's two people on a stage in Lincoln Center for a half hour what's the last uh directing awards Spielberg won. <laughs> um, I don't know. Did he win for like Lincoln maybe? <laughs> Let me look up. I also Shrilberg. think that there is a, a Steven that there is like a stat that Steven Spielberg like actually hasn't won as many things as you like think that he'd maybe won. Um he has been nominated twenty two times for an Oscar and has only won three. So he won Best Picture and Director for Schindler's List in 1994, and then he won Best Director in 1999 for Saving Private Ryan, and he hasn't won anything since. Oh, interesting. Well, then, sure. Yeah, it's sentimental, too. Um, Then we have the Best Actor. And are these all first-time nominees? So a fun fact is that of the 20 people nominated for – Oscars this year, 16 of them are first-time nominees, which is an insanely large number. But it's all best actors are new, right? Yes, all five. Yeah, it's Austin have, Butler for yeah. Elvis, Colin Farrell for The Banshees of Inisherin, Brendan Fraser for The Whale, Paul Meskel for After Sun, and Bill Nighy for Living. Cute. I haven't seen Living. Living is really good. I really like Living. It's a very sweet movie. Yeah. I had no real feelings about this, I guess. I mean... It, a lot of them were expected. Everyone knew Austin Butler, Colin Farrell, Brendan Fraser. Um, I don't know. It seems like it's fine. <laughs> Best actor was sort of a weak field this year. Yeah. Um. Like, yeah, I think that the Fraser, Farrell, Butler, Nighy were like all predicted pretty like and had gotten most of the precursors. And then it was sort of like what that fifth slot would be. And Paul Mezcal gets it for After Sun, which I think is good because, I mean, everybody loves that movie and he's very good in it. Yeah. And the alternatives were like 
Tom Cruise for Top Gun Maverick or like the boy from All Quiet in the Western Front who nobody has ever heard of before or like Adam Sandler in the movie Hustle. Like, oh, yeah. No, not, thanks. Not a lot of super compelling options. Yeah. Um, so I kind of think that where we'll get into best actress in a second, but like where that was a category where I feel like you had like 12 people who could potentially be nominated because they were all great in best actor. It was sort of like, okay, we got three or four solid people. And then we kind of got to troll around for another one to fill the list a bit. Honestly, the guy from triple R should have gotten this nomination. Um, Uh, I want to watch him in everything. Um, But otherwise, yeah, I don't Which one? The, the hot one, the cop. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so good. He has range, okay? When he smiles, you smile. When he cries, you cry. When he acts mean, you cry still. It's just like he's giving everything. He's singing. He's dancing. He's looking good. He's looking mean. He's looking, you he's know. jumping with tigers. Oh, so, you know. so good. Um, but yeah, other than that, it is kind of a weak year for men, huh? We love to see it. Um, well, do you have I a guess? Like- it's always one or the other, I feel like, with these acting categories. Because there was a couple years ago where I feel like there was so many good actors and there was, like, two actresses. And then this year, it's like, <laughs> okay, you guys, spread yourself out. Like, figure this figure this yeah. out. Um, I think I mean, too bad Colin, your beloved Brad Pitt isn't on here for either Bullet Train or I know. Babylon. Or, um, uh... The Lost City, which he was also, or yeah, or well, that wouldn't have been Best Actor. Be realistic. Oh yeah, I guess that's true. Uh, Nick Cage could have been nominated for playing Nick Cage, which I think would have been funny and better than Austin Butler playing Elvis. Well, you know what? You know what? I joke about Austin Butler because Elvis as a whole is not that good, but I do think, and Austin Butler's sort of nauseating in his not letting go of the voice and constantly talking about like being haunted by the ghost of Elvis, like whatever. But. As a performance, his Elvis impersonation is pretty is pretty good. You know, I think it's better than Rami Malek's Bohemian Rhapsody. And so I can't be mad that it's here. You know who I would have liked to see in this was um, Ray Fiennes in The Menu. Because I felt like he was really good. And I guess I don't know if he would have been. Yeah, I don't know if he's the best actor, though. I guess he would be. I mean, he's not I don't a poster, know but yeah, I don't know. The, I they I think they could have had him in here if they yeah. wanted to, but um, I I think that Colin Farrell will win. I hope that Colin Farrell will win. I think he's very good yeah. in Banshees and has been very good in lots of things. Um, I didn't like The Whale or Elvis really as movies, so it's kind yeah. of hard for me to get behind Brendan Fraser or Austin Butler, even though they yeah. are. Yeah, it's like, you know what? You get your Academy Award nominee, and I think that's what you deserve for what this project is, but let's not get greedy, you know? Like, I don't want to support the whale any more than I have to. Did you watch After Sun yet? No, I haven't. Okay. I'm excited to see what you have to think about that one. Add it to the list. Like, in a a good way. It's such a good movie, and I can't – like, I don't know anyone who's disliked it, Um, and it's from a lesbian female – filmmaker yeah so, i've heard I so if you don't like, like it, it you're sexist I'm, and homophobic I'm, i don't know if um, it's bad but yeah i don't know i think this if austin butler wins i'll be pissed but otherwise i don't mind okay well best actress is coming up and i'm hoping we don't spend 20 minutes talking about it but uh, it oh was a, a mess of a nomination list um were you did you have feelings as you watched this live so Y- yes, <laughs> sort of. So the nominees are Kate Blanchett for Tar, Michelle Williams for The Fablemans, Michelle Yeoh for Everything Everywhere All at Once, which we knew going yeah. in were probably going to be nom- the nominees. Like they're sort of the main three. And then there were lots <coughs> of people who could potentially get the second. They're yeah. the last two nominations. And they went to Ana de Armas in Blonde <laughs> and Andrea Riseborough in To Leslie. A movie that you probably have never heard of, listener. Yes, that's correct. Um, I knew of To Leslie for like a week prior to nominations because the I had heard about this phenomenon in the podcast. So the way that Oscars work usually is, <laughs> I mean, like th- 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 there's campaigns for these movies. Yes. So for your not consideration. That, 
yeah, you you don't want to think about the Oscars as like a political thing, but there are lots of movies that come out every year, and it is really a question of which movies the Academy members watch. And yes. so studios spend money on campaigns to get their movies seen by Academy members. So they'll have screenings, they'll have an event, they'll send out flyers, they'll put up billboards, you know, all these different kinds of things so that the Academy members go, oh, I've heard a lot about Elvis, let me watch it, and then, you know, vote for it. Because if it's a movie they haven't heard of or seen, it might be great, but they're not going to vote for it. Um, And so obviously big studios like Disney, Fox, Universal have a lot of money to put behind the movies Mm. that they're supporting. And so they can be campaigning them for a long time where smaller movies don't have that. So this movie called To Leslie, which stars Andrea Riseborough, who you definitely have seen in 9 million things, but maybe (laughs) you don't know her name, um, came out last or debuted last year at Sundance Film Festival in the winter and is a, I watched it this week and it's, it's basically like an, yeah, yeah, yes and no. It's, it's like an alcoholism story line. So it's, you know, this mom who, uh, like she wins the lottery and she's an alcoholic and then her life is horrible. And then it's sort of her, you know, she meets this guy and then he's helping her and she's trying to get her life back together. Um, and so it came out in Sundance. I didn't really hear anything about it. I think it came out technically sometime in the fall. Again, very small release. I didn't really hear very much about it. And they didn't have a campaign for it. Um, and so the studio slash Andrea Riceboro herself decided to do this like inventive strategy that would cost a lot less money where basically they would do all of the campaigning during the Oscar voting window. So just like the week and a half that the uh, Academy members are able to vote and they would just do like a hard full court press where all of these friends of Andrea Riceboro, all of these actors and studios or whatever would just all do these screenings for one week. And it would sort of be like, there's so many people talking about this movie that the name is everywhere. And it's also when people are voting. So you don't have time to like lose it in your mind. And maybe enough people will go, ah, yeah, she, yeah, sure. She was good. I'll throw her a vote that she will get nominated. And people have been, checking the numbers and stuff on this because I think you only really need about like 200 first place votes in order to make best actress. So it is like you don't actually have to galvanize that many people in order to get this to happen. And when it was going on, I think everybody thought, ah, this is like a weird strategy, but it probably won't work except for that. It did work and she did get nominated. Um, and in the process, bumped out several good people, including Viola Davis for The Woman King and Danielle Deadweiler for Till. And so now there's been all of this hullabaloo about the weird to Leslie campaign and also Anna de Armas and Blonde kicking out these much more lauded, um, like well-regarded, more nominated in the precursor performances, specifically by two women of color. Yeah. Um, even though there were, you know, like, also, Olivia Coleman and, you know, some other people didn't get nominated as well who were on the bubble. But uh, well, I saw an yeah. interesting um, tweet because, yeah, it was people like it was the director's wife who started it. Right. And yeah. like it was just like friends being like, hey, watch this movie, like building a sort of word of mouth campaign. But then on top of that, you had people doing much more explicit guidance where it was like stands for Taylor Swift explaining how to vote for someone like I saw. I don't remember who, but some actor posted on Instagram like, hey, um, if 218 actors rank Leslie first, then she'll get in. But while other actors like Viola Davis and um, uh, the woman from Till are guaranteed, so it won't affect them. So it was like almost like this strategy that they were sharing, the, the mathematical equations of ensuring she got to the to the top based on rank voting. Um, which is interesting. I don't think there's anything wrong with what they did. I think it's naive to pretend that that itself isn't privileged. Like Christina Ritchie tried to be like, oh, so 
isn't it elitist for the Academy to be mad that a movie that didn't have a big press um, you know, fund to push for this for your consideration suddenly got it by word of mouth? And it's like, well, no, but then it's also like, are people gunning that hard for actresses of color to get the praise that they deserve in movies that are less well-received or less watched because of racism? Like, I think it's such a weird and kind of messy, murky situation that it didn't phase me. Like, I wasn't angry about it. It doesn't feel dirty per se, but it is kind of like, huh, maybe maybe people should rally around um, other actresses and actors to give this sort of uh, grassroots pickup um, when so often it only benefits the already, you know, privileged white folk. Yeah, I mean, it is interesting because like the movie and Andrea Riseborough herself are not like massive celebrities. So there is kind of like a weird underdog quality to it. But then the fact that the people who were tweeting about it were like Kate Winslet. Yeah. Then <laughs> Gwyneth that Paltrow. Sort of, yeah, Charlie negates Stan, that. Edward and Norton. is like, okay, well, she obviously has a lot of privilege and yeah. power in her connections, even if she herself is not that famous. Um, and then it's like, well, Viola Davis is obviously very, very famous. Like probably the most famous person in the nomination pool uh, right. like all together so like her losing a spot isn't necessarily like okay well she wasn't like well known enough or whatever but then but then the fact that the two people who sort of got bumped were the two people who were the black actresses feels uncomfortable even though they were sort of the two on the bottom of the grouping you know just like naturally i think separate from that so yeah. yeah it's a very weird situation and like people are mad at andrea riseborough people are mad at the movie to leslie um when everybody really should just be mad at blonde yeah because <laughs> anna armis should was bad in that movie the movie was terrible the movie should yes. not be nominated no one involved with that movie should be nominated and that spot should be either Viola Davis or Danielle Deadweilers. So I feel like with all of the Andrea Riceboro to Leslie drama, I was like, you guys are, everybody's missing the point. The point is who is voting (laughs) for blonde? blonde Because those are the people (laughs) who are evil. Yeah, I agree. Like I haven't seen Till, but I have seen clips of Danielle Deadweiler and she was in my beloved station 11. And I think she's phenomenal in what I've seen. Her performance, honestly, in the clip I saw of Till made me want to cry. Like, I would have loved to see her here. And the fact that Ana de Armas is here, when I saw clips of that and just laughed out loud, like, it's... As someone who saw both movies in their entirety, yeah, <laughs> Till is much better and her performance is much better. Yeah, it's it was that was the more shocking piece to me from the get-go. It's like, wait... This was a film panned by critics. I don't think she was even, it wasn't even like a situation like, I can't even think of a movie where it's like so bad, but then the actor's good in it. Like, I don't think anyone thought she did a standout job, but well, she, look at her first time like nominee. she has her accent the whole time. Like, I don't know. It's so <laughs> weird. Um, But anyways, we're running long. I feel like we I know, I know. Um, yeah. I feel like Michelle Yeoh will get this and deserves it. Yeah, I think and so I would too. Love it. Um, and then you get in the supporting actor, which is Brendan Gleeson and Barry Kean from The Banshees of Inisherin, Brian Tyree Henry from Causeway, Judd Hirsch from The Fablemans, and Kihu Kwan from Everything Ever All at Once. And yeah. everyone but Judd are first time nominees too. Yes. Very cute. Yes, because the previous nominees are Kate Blanchett. Michelle Williams, Judd Hirsch, and Angela Bassett um, are the four actors who have been nominated before. And Judd Hirsch was nominated for Ordinary People in like 1980. Um, So it's been a while for him. Yeah. Um, This is a, this I feel like is another one of those kind of weak categories. Kihi Kwan has won literally everything in this and I think will win the Oscar. Um, I love Brian Brian Tyree Henry though. I mean, I love Brian Henry Henry too, but Brendan Gleeson has also gotten a bunch of nominations and I feel like it was sort of those two. And then it was yeah. like, yeah, pick whoever else you want. Um, well, and the Fablemans, um, 
Paul Dano. Wait. Yeah, Paul Dano didn't yeah. get in. Which I heard was upsetting. Um, did you have yeah, strong I feelings? Think, I think that was a surprise. I mean, I yeah. didn't. It's sort of a smaller each other out. role, you know, a bit. Um, or, or like a less assuming role than some of the other people in the movie. But yeah, I'm yeah. kind of surprised. Yeah, I feel like this is definitely another win for everything everywhere all at once, as it should be. Um, then you get Best Supporting Actress, which is Angela Bassett. I've given everything. And Hung Chow in The Menu. Just kidding. It's for the whale, but it should be The Menu. Uh, Carrie Condon for The Banshees of Inishirin. Jamie Lee Curtis and Stephanie Sue for Everything Everywhere All at Once. I'm and- glad Stephanie made the list. I think she did better. Th- I mean... I think Jamie Lee Curtis is great in it, but Jamie Lee Curtis has been getting the nominations in these other awards shows, and Stephanie hasn't gotten any love, and I think she carries the emotional weight of the film and does it in a really interesting and engaging way, so it's like, what are we doing here? Like, I think she definitely deserves it, but I think Angela Bassett's going to win. Yeah, I think Angela Bassett's going to win as well. She's won a bunch of precursors um and is very good in black panther and you know like hasn't won an oscar but he's been in the industry for a very long time so i think like she's sort of checking all of the boxes there where like i love hung chow and carrie condon and stephanie sue are all great in their movies and i think do you know are in some ways the best parts of all of their movies, but are all like relatively new names. Um, And I think for the Oscars, it's kind of hard for those type of people to win on their first go around. Um, And Jamie Lee Curtis has obviously been around for a long time and is very beloved. But I think that, she yeah like you said she has a smaller role and i think that with her it's kind of like okay we want to give jamie lee curtis an oscar nomination um (laughs) because we love her and like she's been great in a lot of things but not necessarily things that you can uh, nominate her for and like here's our opportunity so let's do it but i don't think that she's gonna win so i think this is angela bassett's pretty easily yeah well those are the main categories were there any other categories that like stood out to you as sort of WTF. Um, Because I wanted to talk about best writing adapted screenplay because I'm confused about why Glass Onion is here and she said is not. (laughs) Because what is Glass Onion based on? What is What has it been adapted from? So here's the thing. All sequels are automatically adapted screenplays. That's cheating and uninteresting to me. (laughs) Yeah, it is wild because top gun is also in this category which is more laughable um i would say glass onion is more laughable because top gun at least it's like it's adapting the story that existed in the first one whereas glass onion is taking a singular character and doing an entire new movie but glass onion also has a very good script okay i see what you mean okay Writing Top alone. Gun Maverick yeah. does not have a great script. So yeah. I don't know, understand how that got nominated. Yeah. This was one of those years. So sort of like where we were talking about the best actor, actress disparity. Like the screenplay, because there's original and adapted. And it feels like uh, often most of the best pictures are from one or the other. Or they're like weighted. So one of the categories is very competitive. And the other is not that competitive at all. And this year, original screenplay, which is where Banshees, Everything Everywhere, The Fablemans, Tar, and Triangle of Sadness are, is obviously the category that was more Oscar-heavy. Um, and so you got some more like weirder things like Living and Glass <laughs> Onion in adapted screenplay. It um, should have been like, do revenge, honestly. Like, I, <laughs> I just think... Wasn't Wonder based on a on a book or something? Yeah. I I think there's so many better written films. Or Marcel the Shell, wouldn't that have counted for an adapted yes. screenplay? So I have issues with the voting uh, body of the Academy and then I for Glass Onion or for Top Gun? For either. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I'd like revamp this entire I mean, All Quiet on the Western Front is obviously going to win and should win. Um, I, I think, think it that, did really good I job. think All Quiet on the Western Front is a genius yeah, script. Yeah, it's a really beautiful script. 
and because, I would because it's it. also not the plot of the book. Oh yeah, it does a much better. I mean, not much better. It does a it does a better job for what it needs to do for a film rather than. I know you haven't novel. seen Women Talking yet, and I don't want to like dump on it until you watch it. <laughs> but I also think that script is really bad, and <sighs> I'll keep so that in I'm mind. like this category. Yes, we could we could have yeah. zhuzhed it up a little bit. Um, we should talk about animated film because this is yes. where Puss in Boots is. Oh yeah. Um, so yeah. this is Pinocchio, Marcel the Shell with Shoes On, Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, Turning Red, and some movie called The Sea Beast that it's is on Netflix, Netflix that I've never yeah. heard of. I started um, it. It was not good. And I think that the Pinocchio movie – well, here's the thing. Going into the nominations, I think that the thought was, okay, Pinocchio is going to obviously win this. Pinocchio's However, people thought win. that Pinocchio was going to get a bunch of nominations, and this is the only nomination that it got. So I feel like – Pinocchio, I think that that's one of those movies that, like, less people actually liked than they... Yeah, but it's like, even watching the trailer alone, you're like, okay, this deserves it. You know, it's like almost a technical award at this point. It's like, yeah, here you go. But I feel like, like, yes, but I can't see anyone who has actually watched all these movies, and, you know, sometimes that's where the, the rub is. Yeah. But, like, I, like... I feel like Marcel and Puss in Boots and Turning Red are all such like crowd pleaser movies like that people love that I can't imagine watching those three and being like, but I am going to dutifully vote for Pinocchio. I mean, I, old people, who knows what they're going to do, that. but like, <laughs> but I, I, do, I 100% see that. I mean, first of all, you had the Academy making jokes like last year about how no one watches animated films. And that's wrong, but it might be true for the voting body. Like, are they turning, are they watching Puss in Boots? Like, just because it got good word of mouth in the last weeks of December. Like, I wasn't going to give that movie the time of day. It sounded so stupid. Yeah, I know, but. And also, Marcel Lachelle being here is interesting to me because we talked about this when we were together, but I, I get that it's like stop motion animation for the most part, but it's also like set in real like physical scenes in a house yeah it's not like he had to build a set per se and so that's like an interesting like precedent to set i feel like i don't know if it counts in my head as an animated film but if they just wanted to give it something so they're just like oh why not i think there's very specific rules about this okay that the that the branch like determines what is eligible or not yeah and i think also part of it has to do with what the like where the movie wants to be yeah because like remember lion king was not an animated (laughs) film even though it was all and like visual effects so stupid so i yeah i think like you could maybe i i don't know but yeah it's weird because like some of the marvel movies and stuff are like largely animated at this point um like yeah, but I think like movies like that that depend on CGI but still have actors in their little suits running around. It doesn't feel like animated in the moment, you know? It's there's a yeah, there's a recording, no, there's no, a directing happening there. So yeah, um, it's it's interesting. It'll be interesting to see what wins, but I'm 98% positive it'll be Pinocchio. Yeah. Um, and I'm fairly confident that All Quiet on the Western Front is going to win international feature yeah. just because this is like the fifth year in a row that there has been a international film in Best Picture and that one has always won Best International. Yeah. Um, and the competition of Argentina 1985, Close, EO, and A Quiet Girl, which are all good movies, are not um, like as buzzy, I think. Yeah. And, and none of them I mean, honestly... Elsewhere. Best editing should go to everything, everywhere, all at once, just because of those rapid fire sequences in the end. Just stunning to watch. Um, but I can see that going to some random thing. Because I feel like at this point, I feel like the technical awards kind of lose. Yeah, it kind of like, it kind of feels like it ends up being sort of whatever, <laughs> whatever strikes their fancy in the moment. So, like, best cinematography, best film editing, it feels like, oh, yeah. Like, what does this really mean to us? I don't know. (laughs) Well, best cinematography, I feel like, will probably go to All Quiet on the Western Front. Yeah, you'd hope so. But it feels like that's the place where something surprising could happen. Um, 
I also, I, I mean, yeah, where I feel like the editing, like Top Gun with all of the different shots of the planes and the, yeah. in the, the like, there's a lot going on there that something like Banshees of Inishirin and Tar don't necessarily have yeah. as much. Although I also I feel like, like maybe the music sequences of Tar would be. Oh, like, yeah, whatever. I don't know. Uh, who knows? Um, visual effects snubbed. Nope. Which is the one category I thought it could have swept. Um, I think it had such interesting notes there. And honestly, even like the sound design, I think should have done note because that was mm-hmm. the stunning thing about it was the monster like eating the people and the echoes and all of that. Um, so it does feel rude to snub the film so harshly when you're just shoving in things like the Batman or, you know, I don't know. The Batman got three nominations, yeah. which is shocking to me because I had totally forgot that that movie had even <laughs> happened. I mean, I I do feel like this is a little bit of a rough year for Nope because you have yeah. All Quiet on the Western Front, Avatar, and Top Gun that are Best Picture nominees yeah. so obviously they're gonna get both sound and visual effect nominations and then it's sort of like what's up in those last two well slots. and the batman i remember has that sequence of the motorcycle in the rain or something where i was like wow oh, the yeah. sound is like really good and so i guess on a technical level that was probably a shoe in there um and yeah nope was just less successful and kind of more divisive so i'm I'm sorry that he missed out on these, but um, maybe he'll do better next time. The tech category that I want to complain about is makeup and hairstyling. Oh, yeah. Batman, Elvis, and The Whale are all nominated basically for fat suits. And then it's only Black Panther and All Quiet on the Western Front that have, like, actual makeup. Yeah. And it's, like, everything everywhere all at once had stunning makeup. Like, awesome makeup. Like, everything she was doing was cool. Like, Black Panther does, yes, have lots of, like, incredible wigs and hair stuff, but we know that a lot of Marvel movies, the makeup and gore <laughs> and stuff like, is done in post-production. <laughs> yeah. No, so it, like, that I was definitely an eye roll to me. there. I think the whale, they're like, it's not a fat suit. It's like a, it's like a really, it's like, oh, it's so impressive. It's so it's heavy like, or whatever. Just, whatever. It's like, you. I don't like that movie and I won't derail this. But yeah, I agree. That was also kind of a huh. Okay, sure. I will say though, like I was thinking about the wh- the whale fat suit, and I was like, if I had to weigh some, if I had to wear something that weighed a hundred pounds on me, I would like keel over three minutes into the <laughs> shoot. Like there is not a chance in hell I'd be able to do that, and that's a hundred pounds. I was like, how are people even alive who? Have to like, how do you even function at that level? You know, <laughs> like, I just ha- I was like, I don't think I'm strong enough, <laughs> you know, Shelby. Wow, yeah, um, yeah, that's an interesting thought. Um, I mean, do you feel like you could carry a hundred pounds extra around on you? Yeah, I guess I don't know what you want from this conversation. It feels like I mean, yeah, it's it's tough. It's hard. I don't, I don't think people. No, I, I'm not. I'm not talking about. I'm not like trying to say that the makeup was good or bad or yeah. whatever. I was just like in thinking about their, you know, fat suit whatever dynamics. I was like, wow. I like. I don't think I could act wearing that. Yeah. Um, well, no, Brendan Fraser. He does a good job. He really sells it, and which um, maybe that's is a the testament to Brendan Fraser, and yeah. not again to the fat suit yeah exactly um but yeah i think it'll be an interesting award show to watch um there are, how many jokes about the slap do you think we'll get well jimmy kimmel i think is the host so i <sighs> think we'll get a few yeah um oh my god we'll definitely get one in the monologue i, I bet he'll have a bit with quinta um uh, Brunson? Qu- Brunson too about like how he was laying there while she accepted his award I'm yeah, sure there'll be something in there I feel like the yeah I don't like I don't know how much of a like a giant opening number they're going to do 
like between because I again I'm still like slightly I'd unsure love a of not like to, the not to opening COVID dynamics. Yeah, I will say we should talk about the best original song category quick while we're talking <laughs> about the because we do have theoretically I don't think they've announced this yet, but the not to not to music number also a Rihanna appearance and a Lady Gaga song. Yeah. So yeah, so that will be three sort of like interesting things. And then there is a song from Everything Everywhere All at Once by David Byrne and Mitski that I will, did not is know boring. existed. Yeah. Um, is it played over the credits? So that we'll, we'll have to listen to. And then another Diane Warren song, unfortunately. But um, yeah, we'll at least get three good musical numbers. And I'm sure Jamie Kimmel will do a monologue. I'm hoping that maybe we won't have as many weird bits and we might have more like montage kind of things. Jimmy but Kimmel loves knows? a bit. I know. He loves a bit. Will Matt Damon be there for that saga? Yes. You know, maybe they'll do an homage to the Babylon opening scene. And that'll be how they kick off the Oscars. With the the poop? With the elephant pooping and an orgy and all of it. Just cocaine galore. (laughs) Babylon is so good. And it did get a couple of nominations. Mm. But I am mad that it didn't get more. I and know, I know. The Nothing score cares. for Babylon is one of the best movie scores I can remember. Okay. Justin Hurwitz is a genius. I also loved the First Man score, which is great. Mm. I mean, he does the music with Damien Chazelle. So also he came up with the La La Land stuff. He's won, I think, two Oscars already. Um, but the... Babylon score is a banger and you should listen to it if you haven't because it is okay. like a lot of trumpet and like full-on energy. Okay, I'll try it. It's also the song that's playing in the trailer. So if you've watched the trailer, that's the song. Um, But, uh, okay, any other final thoughts going uh, into that? We won't be doing an episode on the Oscars this year, or at least I won't. So. Oh my gosh. I'm going to have to get someone to do it with me. I'll have to yeah. think of a fun guest. Wow. Yeah, you're going to wow, have Matt. to, because I'll be gone for a couple weeks, and that will be one of them. Sucks to suck. Mm. Um, okay, well, I'm glad we got your votes in now so that I can school you that <laughs> this is the year I'll beat you. Uh, no, it's not. But um, yeah, no, I don't know what we're doing next week, but I look forward to it. Yeah, and our year-end ranking is coming up here soonish because we have yes. to do it before i leave so sometime in the next three four episodes yes um I'm so things prepped. to look forward to shall we have to watch babylon before <laughs> i don't know if i'll get around to babylon but come on it's only 17 hours oh my gosh you can do it. it starts with an orgy and elephant poop <laughs> um okay well thanks everybody for listening we'll be back next week unclear what we're talking about but uh, yeah because i think ant-man is two weeks away so yeah hmm um, maybe 80 for Brady. Maybe cert missing. Yeah, we'll find something. Um, but yes, talk to you guys all next week. Bye. <laughs>